0: This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com.
1: This is the Adam Gold Show. Cookie butter does sound good. Yeah, I want to try this. It does absolutely sound good. Spread it on uh, like some brioche toast. That's got to be good. I don't know. Uh, cinnamon raisin bread? I have, It could be. No, oh, you wouldn't like it because that's uh, probably just a little different for you, Dennis Cox. Well, it's raisins and they stick.
2: <laughs> Do you like grapes? Yeah. Not the same thing.
1: Are I know sure? one
2: comes from the other, but they're not the same. One is another.
1: Not the same. <laughs> All right. This is the Adam Gold Show. I am Adam Gold. That is Dennis Cox. Welcome to your Tuesday. The college football playoff rankings are coming up tonight. I cannot wait to see how angry people get when nothing has changed from last week. But should be interesting anyway. Go Boo uh, go Corrigan, who gets to play uh, on the TV. And I'm going to be, maybe I'll watch or I'll just watch people on Twitter and I have my handy bingo card. What do you think we'll see uh, here tonight? Uh, a lot of football to be played, mm-hmm. quality loss. Let's see, uh, a balanced, oh, balanced team. That's been big this year. The balanced team has been big this year. So, um, Oh, great program is on there, too. Before we talk about Josh Allen, isn't there a difference between great program and great team? I mean, I think there is. It seems to be a um, yeah. Seems to be like a some somebody's missing that. Not just somebody, a lot of people are missing that notion that you can be a great program without necessarily having a great team. Yeah, a great program is relative to what your program has been, and how long your program has been good. It's like if they were just okay, or if they were a good program, then. You know, they'd have a whole bunch of bad records in there, but I don't know. I think what Dave Doran has done has been, uh, been pretty great without necessarily having any great teams. It's just been very, very, I mean, it's just, it's a model program for NC State. And I, if I were them, I'd try to keep it. But if I were Dave Doran, I would try to leave. All right, let me, uh, let me talk, talk a little bit about Josh Allen here. This is the top of the NFL food chain. Forty-eight hours ago, Josh Allen was Thor, Iron Man, the Green Lantern, and the Wonder Twins all rolled into one.
2: I got that reference,
1: right? <laughs> you, 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 which reference did you get? All of them. Uh, did you get you got the Wonder Twins? Yeah. Were you into the Wonder Twins? Oh man. No, I know who the Wonder Twins are. They always had a bucket of water for no reason. There's a bucket of water. There's a whatever. Anyway, yesterday, or 48 hours ago, Allen was, he hung the moon. And then Josh Allen, threw two interceptions, late, and lost to the Vikings. One of the interceptions was on fourth down, so it is what it is. I mean, uh, there's no sense taking it with you. You might as well throw it and see what happens although he, it was returned 34 yards out of the end zone, so he would have been better off just throwing it in the, uh, in the fake grass. And the other interception ended the game. The bottom line for the Buffalo Bills is that they have problems in close games. Maybe that's a Josh Allen problem. I don't know. But it is interesting that nobody has really noticed this until this week. And now all of a sudden, oh, man, Josh has to stop doing this. So it caused this on ESPN today. Here's Dominique Foxworth uh, sort of throwing up his hands at this debate.
0: Josh Allen made the best leap from one year to another year of any quarterback that we've ever seen in the history of football. And now y'all asking him to make another one. Stop it. Like Aaron Rodgers, what he was in his prime and what uh, Patrick Mahomes is right now is unique. You think that you're going to make Josh Allen into a guy that gives you these big wild plays without mistakes? You're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So accept that he is outstanding and great and accept that sometimes he's going to give you some boneheaded plays where he's trying to punch out fumbles with his injury elbow he's going to try to run through people yeah. he's going to try to throw balls through defenders it
1: stinks but you take the good with the bad yeah brett Favre never stopped you know trying to force plays to happen he never stopped and maybe that's why brett Favre only won one super bowl i don't i don't i don't know he won one. There's no reason why he couldn't have won others. Aaron Rodgers isn't really that quarterback, but he only won one. I think Josh Allen's going to win multiple Super Bowls. I think the Buffalo Bills are still the best team in the NFL. It is, but it, all this point is because, to be honest, I think Dominique is right. He well, let's let's have. Um, Marcus Spears' response to Dominique here, and then we'll talk about that because it's interesting.
0: If we get to a point where the Buffalo Bills don't have an opportunity to go to a Super Bowl or win one, it will probably be because of turnovers. Right. I don't see this defense giving up a bunch of points. I don't see this team just going out and playing terrible. And to your point, Graz and and Foxy, yeah, you in the red area a lot. Yeah, you have a lot of success. Yeah, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL.
1: But what would be the reason why we would yeah. think the Buffalo Bills wouldn't win a Super Bowl? Coaching, I think. If you know your quarterback is prone to that, then coach it. Coach it better. You can't just let Josh Allen do that if you're Sean McDermott. But anyway, the point is Buffalo, believe it or not, didn't lose this game because Josh Allen threw two interceptions. They allowed 23 points (laughs) from late in the third quarter through the first possession of overtime. They allowed 23 points. Wait, I thought their defense isn't going to give up those points.
2: Well, one of those touchdowns was because of Josh Allen fumbling the ball in the end zone.
1: Yeah, but how did the ball... that's not
2: on the defense. How did the ball get to the two-inch line? Because the defense made a stop.
1: No, it it went all the way down the field. The defense oh, went all well, yeah. the way well, there's down that. the field. Yeah, there's that. They, okay. they, I mean, fourth and eighteen. They allowed they allowed the pass completion. So they put the ball there, and frankly, even if Josh Allen takes the snap, he ain't coming out of the end zone. Yeah, minnesota Minnesota won the line of scrimmage. They were, it was going to be a safety, which again, there were people arguing that it should have been that they should have accepted the safety, which again, I think would have been kind of a dumb move mm-hmm. because now you're invited. There's plenty of time left. I mean, Buffalo had enough time to drive down the field so and kick the field goal to tie and send it to overtime. So Minnesota would have had easily enough time to drive into field goal range after punting it from the 20 in a two-point game. So it would have been silly to, do a, to, to accept the safety in that situation. Either way, that's just a like, little bit of a sidebar. Um, Buffalo's defense allowed the comeback. It started with the 81-yard touchdown run by Dalvin Cook. And then Kirk Cousins to to Justin Jefferson happened. That whole show in the second half. They could not cover Justin Jefferson. No chance. There weren't enough defensive backs for the Buffalo Bills. Now, they are injured in the secondary. They've been injured in the secondary all year long. But there were still times where... They allowed Jefferson all alone. like how does that happen? You't that's the one guy no somebody get on 18 and you stay with him. Somebody. if he's in your area, he's yours. It was it should should be that simple, but it's not football's not that simple a game, but we love to hang everything at the foot of the quarterbacks. And look i'm not even I'm not absolving Josh Allen from blame. But they didn't lose the game because of Josh Allen. But people have done lost their we do this every week. Every week in the NFL. We have we make the next the, the next star, the next GOAT. This is what we do. It is awesome. I we, we should do this for every well, we do this. You've seen Kane's Twitter after Hurricane's loss. Every game is a referendum. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That guy stinks. Every every game is a referendum. My gosh. So, the best teams in the NFL, Buffalo, Philly, Dallas, Kansas City, to me those are the four best teams. Dallas blew a 14-point lead against a mediocre at best Green Bay team and lost in overtime. Philadelphia got beat by double digits at home to a mediocre to bad team in Washington. And the Bills blew a 27-10 lead at home to Minnesota. It's a good weekend for the NFL. I'm not saying that facetiously. It was a good weekend for the NFL. Dramatic weekend for the NFL. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuda with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? around midnight we shouldn't start games at 9 30 uh the duke blue devils will take on the kansas jayhawks in the second game of the champions classic in indianapolis gary parish Sports.com, eye on college basketball podcast the best college basketball podcast there is joins us on the adam gold show to talk about that and other matters of the college basketball heart. It feels like this is the start of the season. Is that real?
0: Yeah, I, I think it absolutely is. In fact, I talked to somebody about this yesterday. Like, you know, technically we got started last Monday, but there was really only one marquee matchup in the opening week of the season, and that, of course, was uh, Gonzaga, Michigan State out on the aircraft carrier <laughs> off the coast of, of San Diego. It was a fun event, uh, beautiful to look at, not the prettiest of games because. Um, there's some uh, data that suggests uh, shooting a basketball from 22 <laughs> feet on an aircraft carrier is not the simplest thing in the world to do. So low scoring, poor shooting, but still a, a fun game. But it really gets start tonight. Uh, gets started tonight uh, for all intents and purposes, which isn't ideal. We should actually have a better start to the college basketball season. The NBA would never do it this way. Um, the NFL would never do it this way. College football doesn't do it this way. But either way, that boring first week's behind us, and tonight um, all eyes will be on the court in Indianapolis where we've got a pretty compelling doubleheader.
1: Oh, there's there's no question. Mich- Michigan State comes in, uh, like, in a way, hot. I mean, they've played against t- quality competition. Very few teams have done that so far. Gary Parrish is joining us here. All right, w- what intrigues you most about – Duke versus Kansas, and well, let's just leave John Shire out of it for the time being.
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. I I have no idea what to expect in this game because Kansas, you can usually rely on Kansas being very good regardless of the pieces, but that is with Bill Self, arguably, if not undeniably, the best active coach in college basketball on the sideline. Bill obviously will not be there tonight. He's serving a self-imposed four-game suspension because (laughs) of Kansas' is NCAA trouble. So you've got a big question mark on the Kansas side of things. Plus, you know, outside of a couple of players, uh, that Kansas roster is going to look vastly different than the one anybody remembers playing in the national championship game uh, last April. On the other side, you know, Duke is immensely talented with that number one ranked recruiting class. But, you know, Derek Lively to this point has, has only played 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Derek Whitehead has been injured. Uh, John Shire is, you know, a first-year head coach. I believe in him long-term, but, you know, it's totally reasonable to wonder what that's going to look like early, particularly with a roster so heavily reliant on first-year players. So I I tend to have opinions about which way I think games will go. And I guess if you're looking for a pick, I would take Duke, if only because I've got Duke ranked higher than Kansas (laughs) in my top 25-1. But there are so many unknowns connected to the basketball game uh, I'm just frankly looking forward to sitting back and, and watching it unfold. However, it unfolds.
1: Yeah, the way I look at this game is that I am—I don't know what Duke, how Duke is going to react when a team with similar athletes really get up in them and play defense. I mean, the, that is going to be the biggest learning curve for them over the course of the season is how will they react when teams can be physical with them, where Duke can't just tower over somebody like they have towered over uh, two opponents so far. But, I mean, it it may go really well tonight. I remember a year where they, I mean, absolutely blew Kentucky's doors off uh, in, in one of these games. And then it turns out they were good, but they weren't ever that good again.
0: Well, I mean, that team was really good, and it just happened to lose a game in the Elite Eight, um, you know, which which happens to great teams all the time. You know, John Calipari's first team at Kentucky had John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Aaron Bledsoe, mm-hmm. Patrick Patterson, did not make the Final Four, lost in the Elite Eight to, to a West Virginia team. So I remember that Duke-Kentucky game you're talking about, and just a funny aside, um, just before the game, I mean, literally – Seven minutes before tip-off, I'm walking from the media room back to my seat, and happen to be walking on the baseline of the court. And I, I, you know, I don't bump into, but like, <laughs> like, make eye contact with Tony Barbie, who was, you know, on John Calipari's staff for a while, former Auburn coach. Um, and and I had known him since, you know, his days as an assistant coach at Memphis mm-hmm. when I was the beat writer. And he, you know, we shook hands, and he was like, "So who'd you? Who?" He said, "What do you think tonight?" Or well, I think I don't even know if he brought it up. I think I said. All right, I picked you guys, so don't let me down. And he goes, you picked us? And I said, (laughs) yeah. He goes, GP, you should have called me. (laughs) (laughs) I think they had seen something in practice that made them think, maybe we'll be good, but we're not ready for this. And then Duke absolutely annihilated them. Um, You know, I, I would remind you, and I don't have to remind you, Duke did have some better roster balance with that team than than this team has. I mean, it was obviously Zion and yeah. and and RJ and and some five star stud freshman Cam Reddick, but they also had some non freshmen who mattered. The Duke team is really light on on non freshmen who matter, <laughs> and that that's always a, a a point of concern, or at least typically a point of concern this early in the season.
1: Yeah, it's it's there are some transfers in who have some uh, some history, but here. Sure uh it's only jeremy roach it's a it's a one person list it doesn't take very long to get through it gary parish all right real quick to john shire um i mean he has to follow a obviously a great uh you know the shoes are gigantic at duke but there's also some pressure just in this area after hubert davis's initial season ends up Uh, with just a few points away from a national championship. I'm not sure the second part of that really matters, except maybe to fans here. But what are your thoughts about John Shire in year one?
0: I don't think it's possible for him to have set himself up for success any better than he did. Recruiting the way he did for the class of 2022, recruiting the way he has in the class of 2023, and yet, this is still a difficult situation that he finds himself in. Um, you know, I don't care. You know, we've seen Mike Krzyzewski and John Calipari both in recent years really struggle with freshman heavy roster. Mm-hmm. Now, that also happened in the pandemic year when they didn't have a normal preseason, um, didn't have a normal non-league schedule. And I genuinely do think that played a role. Didn't have a normal home court advantage like Ruff Arena and Cameron Indoor normally um, provide. But I remember talking to a a, a prominent coach who got really young a few years ago, and and the team escapes me at this point, but it wasn't Duke or Kentucky. And I remember talking to this guy midseason, and he said, and this is before the pandemic year where Duke and Kentucky both struggled, but he said, man, I'm just telling you, John and and Kay made it look easier than it is winning at a high level with a bunch of first-year players. This is not easy. So we've seen in recent years um, a Memphis team multiple times with the number one recruiting class in the country struggle with a young head coach. And you know, if you're looking for reasons to be skeptical of what Duke can be early or in this season, um, broadly speaking, uh, that's one place to point. But you know, talent is talent, and um, you know, I, I, I typically give the edge to that. So I'm a believer in John Shire long term. I do think this new team is going to be good. It will not surprise me if they have some ups and downs along the way because teams that are this heavily reliant on new players um, almost always do.
1: Gary Parrish, ION College Basketball Podcast, is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. What has the NIL impact been on basketball versus football, do you think?
0: Well, I just think in basketball it's, it's much easier to manage because there's, you know, there's fewer players. I mean, you can spend crazy money on three players in basketball and have a national championship contender, um, if that's the way you want to go about it. And so, whether it's, it's 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 football or basketball, I think it's a good thing. But I think it's a better thing for basketball uh, because in football, you know, guys can't leave after one year. There's nowhere for them to go. You know, Trevor Lawrence showed himself to be an absolute stud <laughs> right. in his first year of college, and he couldn't enter the NFL draft even if he wanted to. Um, basketball has never uh, um, you know, benefited from that reality. By the time we learn who Jalil Okafor is, he's off to the NBA. By the time we learn who Zion Williamson is, you know, four months later, he's off to the NBA. And, and those level guys are still going to go because you know, they're lottery picks. Mm-hmm. But the Armando Baycott and the Hunter Dickinsons and the Trace Jackson Davises and the Drew Timmy's, And, you know, college basketball players who are great, but aren't obviously great NBA prospects, now they have a place to to stay um, and make a lot of money. You know, typically a guy like Drew Timmy at this point, and maybe even every other guy that I named, would, Oscar Sheba is another great example Mm -hmm. of this, would have just said, I've done everything I can do at this level, it's time to go make a paycheck, whatever that looks like. But the truth is, Drew Timmy is making more money playing college basketball this season than he could literally make anywhere else in the world <laughs> playing college basketball. And the same thing is true for Austin Sheepway, And I think the, thing, the same thing is probably true for Hunter Dickinson, Armando Baycott, Trace Jackson Davis, on down the line. And so what we're already seeing and what we're going to continue to see is people making decisions based on money. I'm going to play basketball next season where can I make the most money do it? <laughs> and in a lot of cases for these guys, it's going to be college basketball. So we get big names coming back to the sport. We get less roster turnover. And, and that's, that's all a positive. You know, I know it's stresses for coaches and perhaps um, weird for fan bases who are watching the transfer portal, uh, you know, fill up and guys bounce from one school to the other. But I think if you take all the pros and then whatever cons you think they are and, and throw them on a list, you got more pros than cons than This this has been a good thing for for college
1: athletics. I I agree. And that's the one thing that was never discussed about uh, allowing players to realize their own value in the marketplace was that more likely than not, players would stick around longer, which is better for everyone. And I always looked at a guy like Marcus Page or uh, the guy who followed him at, at North Carolina. They played together a little bit, Joel Berry as really, really good, visible college basketball players for a high-profile program that didn't really have NBA futures in front of them, and how much money could they have made. Of course, they were gone. They were done playing before the NIL era. Let me ask you this, Gary Parish, about Gonzaga. Um, num- I think you have them as number one over North Carolina. I'll let you deal with Tar Heel fans about that at Gary Parish CBS. Um Do they need a better conference to take full advantage of how great their program is, uh, or are they fine right where they are?
0: I think they're fine right where they are, and like all the data suggests that. I mean, they've been to more consecutive sweep-sixteens than anybody in the country. Um, They've been a number one seed, I believe, four out of the past six or seven NCAA tournaments. they played in two of the past five national championship games. I mean to set the bar for national championship or bus, (laughs) which frankly is where the bar is program now is is outrageous. I mean don't ever forget this is a small private you know school in Spokane, Washington. Right. You know, uh, I was a, a junior in college at the University of Memphis, I believe, when Gonzaga came in to play the Tigers and we literally had never even heard of Gonzaga, didn't know what that was. <laughs> and they came in and blew Memphis out um, inside the pyramid, which is now a Bass Pro Shop. And that's the year that I believe the Zags went on to have their first real success in the NCAA tournament. And the rest, as they say, is, is history. But my point is that this has all happened in my adult life. Now I'm 45 years old. I'm not 25 anymore. But you know, generally speaking, this they have taken this from nothing to one of the biggest brands in the sport, you know, in a matter of a, a couple of, of of decades. So anybody saying they can't do literally anything um, in the sport uh, based off of their conference affiliation just isn't playing uh, paying attention. They have recruited the number one high school player in the country. Yeah. They have, you know, developed lottery picks and top five picks. They've gone to national championship games and been number one in the country and, you know, beaten all the – or at least most of the best programs in, in the country. The only thing left is winning a national championship. And, and just because they haven't done it doesn't mean they can't do it. I think some people get those words confused sometimes. They have not done it. That's a fact. But it doesn't mean they can't do it. I, I would submit that if you replay that Gonzaga-North uh, Carolina national championship game 100 times, from the 2:15 mark, it it goes 50-50 either way. But if you only play it once, and in that once, you know, you get a favorable call for Carolina, Tar Heels get a stop, Gonzaga misses a shot, you know, Roy Williams wins another national title. Congratulations, but that doesn't mean Gonzaga couldn't have won it that night. I guess I'd put it this way. Uh, I like to play golf. I'm not very good, but I enjoy it. I've never hit a hole in one. That doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means I haven't done it. And Gonzaga hasn't won a national title. It can win one, but to, to a larger conversation, there 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 could be some possible uh, benefits from going to a bigger league, and that's why they are considering it. And the biggest benefit, obviously, is incredible amounts of money.
1: Yes, <laughs> enormous amounts of amounts of money. And uh, we'll close on this, Garren. I appreciate your time. If that league is not the Pac-12. George Kleofkov should turn in his key card.
0: I agree with you. Like uh, you know, I think sometimes conference commissioners who are really you know having their strings pulled by by university presidents and chancellors, I think they get caught up often. And I say this re- as respectfully as I can say it. The men and women running universities are obviously smarter than you know some guy who's dumb enough to rank 26 basketball teams every morning. But I, I think sometimes they get so caught up on you know you know. I, uh, what is this school academically and, 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 right. you know, uh, how does it rank in U S news and world report? <laughs> I'm not pretending that that doesn't matter, but I am insisting. It doesn't matter much, if at all, when it comes to sports, um, if you are the PAC 12 and you just lost your biggest basketball brand, which is UCLA and another good one in USC, right. then you should be trying to replace that with, with, with comparable programs And the biggest thing out there is Gonzaga. It is in your geographic footprint. And the fact that the Big East and Big 12 are considering doing it should move them in a direction where they're absolutely willing to do it. And if I were the Pac-12, I would already be trying to hammer that out, sweeten the pot however you got to sweeten it. And if I'm Gonzaga, if I am actually going to make this move, which I don't think is a no-brainer, leaving the WCC as much as some people think it is, I'm willing to, to discuss it, and I can see why you might do it. I just don't think it's absolutely no-brainer. But if you're going to lead the WCC for a power conference, if I'm Gonzaga, the one I want to do it for, it is the Pac-12.
1: No question about it. I'd love to see a Big East uh, where Gonzaga and Georgetown are in the same division. Forget about uh, forget about uh, conference, same division. Just Gonzaga and Georgetown battling it out for the Big East South or something like that. Uh, Gary Parish, CBSSports.com, at Gary Parish, CBS, Ion College Basketball Podcast, uh, thank you very much for your time, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Adam, always my pleasure. I'll see you, buddy. You got it. Uh, that's Gary Parrish. All right, it's halftime. Let's do it.
2: And now, now your halftime
1: entertainment. All right, about three on the clock there. Not bad. Three minutes of uh, of added time. Three. That's exactly what man, you needed. To scratch out a 2-1 win at Fulham. I'm sure that's the case. At Craven Cottage. I'm
2: sure that's the case. Literally,
1: the, the goal was uh, was scored like 10 seconds. They blew the whistle right after the kickoff, after the goal. Oh. It was silly. Good for them. All right. A pair of Birkenstocks were auctioned off for over
2: $200,000. You know why? They belonged to Aaron Rodgers. No, actually belonged to Steve Jobs. Interesting. A pair of Birkenstock sandals, formerly owned by Steve Jobs, and included an NFT with it, auctioned for two hundred eighteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollars.
1: I don't know why, but it did. It had the uh, it had the smell of Steve Jobs' fallen arches. Yes, beautiful. If he had them.
2: But yes, congratulations to the person that paid over two hundred eighteen thousand dollars. For Steve Jobs' sandals. Old shoes. Speaking of weird things that have happened, we have a new world record. That's right. Guinness is back at it. Guinness is back at it again. That's right. Uh, Another unusual Guinness World
1: Record. Oh, no way.
2: Yes. A bar in Wyoming hosted an unusual Guinness World Record attempt when a group of men clipped their beards together and created a 150-foot chain. So basically, just had long beards. You just... Clip them together to the person standing next to you. Okay. And you form this one long chain. Competitors in Casper, Wyoming for the National Beard and Mustache Championships. So mad I missed that. They gathered for a um, an attempt at this world record. And they beat it. So congratulations to them. The beard chain was, again, measured at 150 feet. Breaking the previous world record of 62 feet and 6 inches. Oh, they which was, shattered it. They destroyed it
1: which was set in Germany back in 2007. I would see I would have thought it would have been set in like Norway. Yeah, it's good maybe they, yeah. maybe they have tried. I think Norway would have or, uh or uh, like western or eastern Russia, Siberia.
2: Yeah. Um I'm just You know, as someone who has a beard myself, obviously not a very long one. Yeah, you
1: could not tie your beard to another beard.
2: Well, no, like they could potentially clip that someone next to me had to have a really, really long beard. They could, Uh, you know, somewhat clip. So
1: we're just adding the width of your face on to the, like, you'd be useless. That's a lot of inches. You'd be useless in this. What do you mean be useless? No, I mean, look, you need a a longer beard so you can stretch it out like eight, ten inches. Otherwise, like, you you get people are
2: basically just cheek to cheek. I have seen, fo- I'm actually looking at photos and seeing video of this right now. There's people that have beards that go down to like their belly buttons. Yeah. And they're part of this. I'm just very disappointed that I missed the National Beard and Mustache Championships. I, I, I would be too. How come it wasn't on
1: the Ocho? Should have been. So was Albus Dumbledore there? Should a long beard. Yeah.
2: Poor Hagrid would have, RIP, but yeah.
1: Poor Hagrid would have
2: been perfect for this competition. Uh, Dumbledore better than Hagrid, but Hagrid would have been yeah, useful. But, but I mean, that's an extra useful. two feet easily from those guys. Put them together. And Hagrid's
1: beard was that big.
2: Just saying. Just bummed I missed it. You know, I try and you know try and make it every year, but you know, working in this industry, Canes Kane's hockey really took it away from me. <laughs> that's really what happened to it. Uh, by the way, because I, I have to go into comic books and movies and stuff like that. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever domestically did $181 million in its opening opening weekend. Domestic. Really? Yes. So it's a very strong, very strong opening weekend. They were projecting pre-release anywhere between 170 to $205 million range, so they landed pretty much smack dab in the middle. So... I actually almost say a little higher than expected. All right, good. But yeah, shout out to Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I've seen it once. I'll probably go see it
1: again. <laughs> you've already seen it. Well, of course I've seen, seen it.
2: You've seen movies before they come out. I know. I try my best. No, because I don't want to, I, I want to avoid spoilers and all that crap. So I go see okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I don't spoil, I, I don't, I try not to spoil it if for other nobody's people. nobody's seen and I avoid it yet, it myself. you can't, it can't be spoiled You'd for be you. would okay. be shocked. You'd be shocked. ESPN's bringing back their This Is Sports Center commercials,
1: by the way. Oh, excellent. Did you know that? I love those. Those are they always were, good. They were
2: fantastic. Yeah. So they're actually going to be bringing them back. They're, they should premiere probably during the college football playoffs, so early cool. 2023. But one thing I really loved about the This Is Sports Center commercials is that it really showed not only the personalities of the anchors, but also the athletes and other people around it as well. It I was, liked it
1: more for the athletes yeah, than I did for the anchors. But it, the anchors were great.
2: Yeah, it was great, but it just it showed personality, which was always the fun part about them and just the dumb skits that they would do. I remember uh, going back and actually was watching some earlier today. Um, like there was like the, the big brother program essentially where they're playing basketballs. Stuart Scott and and Kenny May were playing basketball with kids and Stuart Scott's just like (laughs) swatting, like, you know, kids trying to go for a layup, like the kids ate and he's like flexing on them and like getting in their face and stuff. They're
1: talking trash. Jimmy Johnson, uh, taking a, uh, like a, a pick to the speed bumps in the parking lot. Yes. Uh LeBron James. Oh, and this st- chair with, st- with, Scott with the Van chair, Helt. yeah. I mean, there's just ton just great great spots. That remember the one that was Charlie Steiner Follow Me to Freedom? Yes. yes. Oh, that one awesome. was a
2: great one. They did the uh, Melrose place with Charlie Steiner yeah. too. Yeah, just it's a fun way to show personality. I think that's honestly what people really want. They want authenticity and have sure. fun. And it's kind of cool that they're bringing that back. I'm curious to see what they do. Hey! Bad beat yesterday in the oh no Eagles-Commanders game. What was
1: the bad beat?
2: So, for anybody that Other had than a... Philly getting beat. Well, there's that. But anyone that had a ticket for Devontae Smith over-under receiving yards at fifty two and uh-huh. a half, and a half if he had the over, you really hated the last play. Because up until the very final play of the game... So, the final play of the game, Philly's trying to lateral. Right. Ends up a fumble recovery for a touchdown for Washington, which made the final score what it was. But... He had 53 yards receiving before the final play. Again, the over-under was set at 52 and a half. His final receiving yards because of that play, 39. Really? Yeah, so he went from the, oh, so if you had the over, oh. that final play hurt you. But if you had the under, congratulations. <laughs> well played for, by you. For
1: For every bad beat, there's a surprising win. Yeah. For there every is. bad beat there's a surprising
2: win but a lot of people were just like oh I had that like maybe like, maybe in like on a parlay like a same game parlay yeah. like oh yeah I can have uh you know Antonio Gibson scoring a touchdown and I can have Devontae Smith over 52 and a half yards plus whatever sure I'll take that so sorry for those people
1: so I'm I'm like uh I've become sort of a muse for mm. uh for somebody with soccer wagers oh yeah so the reason I brought up man U fulham was we one of the wagers was man U fulham draw okay at plus whatever it was and it was one one with only three minutes of added time mm-hmm. and the goal was scored basically at three minutes of added time yeah that's gambling that's that that's how it is that's gambling people. that's
2: just how it is
1: wow. don't
2: gamble what you can't afford to lose that's true all right, NFL wants to expand its international tour. Saw this. Potentially stops in Spain and France. I love it. I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, it's fine. It's yeah. good. Whatever. I mean, I mean... I'm assuming Paris will be the place to go, obviously.
1: Good going. Yeah, sure. Why not? But I'm curious, Spain, Going to Barcelona, Madrid? I would go to Pamplona. Okay. And have a run with the Bulls. Oh, there you go. Right before the game. Maybe you have the Bills... In Pamplona. Maybe. Maybe the Bills are the Bulls that and are the, running. And Josh Allen is running down the street. Yeah. Smashing people into Hamburger Hill. That'd be great. Yeah. That's what I would do. I'm for if it. If I was the NFL. Yeah, Spain, France, I mean uh, the the National Football League is very popular in Europe. Mm-hmm. I mean you'll s I mean it's really popular in Germany. It's probably less popular in London, but there's so many Americans living everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna seek it out, but like we we love Premier League soccer here. There's they love the NFL. Yeah. Look, Major League Baseball took a Yankees Red Sox series to London. Mm-hmm. I mean, people ate it up. It's an. Ev- it's a, here's the
2: thing over there. It's an event. Events. It's an event. Yep. Much like the stadium series. It's an hey, event. People you know Show up for
1: that. You know what's coming to, uh, Frisco, Texas. Oh, in the me. spring. What's that? Major League Cricket. Yes. Not kidding. Major League Cricket coming to Frisco, Texas.
2: Okay. I'm sure you have some over-unders on that.
1: I, not yet. I will. I will. I have to see the uh, the rosters. But that doesn't start till I believe, the spring. All right. One more thing real fast. Oh, wait. Yes. Speaking of gambling, former
2: L.A. Dodger star Yasiel Puig yeah. pleading guilty to lying to federal agents about an illegal gambling operation. Looks like he's probably going to get five years in prison. Ah. Okay. the sentence carries up to five years in prison. Okay, so... Hopefully, he. Well, I don't know what
1: I don't know what he did. So. He's only thirty-one. Yeah, his, his he was a star that just start, fell off. The start of his career was amazing. Yeah, and the, the NFL, Major League Baseball, didn't even put him on the ballot for that last man into the All-Star team because he was the biggest fascination in the sport, mm-hmm. and I couldn't understand why. They, it didn't make a difference if he didn't have staying power. He was the the biggest fascination in the entire league at that time. Should have given him the opportunity to showcase himself to more baseball fans. Yeah. Yeah, but he ultimately wasn't a good enough player. That's too bad. Uh, all right. We'll place some bets without going to prison, hopefully. Next. Canes get a couple of days off. We don't have to see uh, – we don't have to do a hockey game until – Thursday when they host the Avalanche. Yeah. So you get uh, you get two days off, Dennis. What are you going to do with two days off? Sleep. Nah. Actually, I need to
2: edit Culture State tonight. There you so. go. You're not going to sleep. No. That's we the got, thing.
1: We got work to do. Gains don't play. I work extra. We, we got work to do. Uh, coming up tonight, the college football playoff ranking. Uh, if I set the over-under on where North Carolina would be and I said – uh, better or worse than eleven and a half? What would you say, Dennis? Yes. Though well, they can't be eleven and a half. Okay.
2: I'd say they're under that. I'd so, still say they're probably like 12.
1: They'll say worse. So or worse, worse, yeah. worse. Okay. Uh, I agree. I think, I think they'll be somewhere between, I think 13 is a pretty good number for them. They were 15 last week. Mm-hmm. And... They won. They won a good game. They won a game against a team that used to be ranked but is no longer ranked. Yeah. Uh against Wake Forest. Um I'll be my interest is where North Carolina will be, where will Florida State be? Where will Notre Dame be? Those are the, the teams that I'm uh interested in seeing where they land in the rankings. How far uh up does FSU and Notre Dame move with a couple more wins? So um, because they directly impact both North Carolina and Clemson in terms of Notre Dame and Clemson in terms of Florida State. And I don't think either team is out of it, but I neither th- meaning Clemson or North Carolina, but I think both teams need a lot of help. They need a lot of help. But again, tonight, it doesn't really count. Well, actually it doesn't it doesn't count. It's just a TV show. Let's place bets. Now it's time. That's the wrong one. Whoa! What exactly happened?
2: That's the wrong one.
0: (laughs) It's It's right next. You know that one.
2: I don't do this show often anymore, Adam. Sometimes things like that. Understood. Hit the wrong button. It's understood. I will not
1: hold it against you. You should actually. I should be docked one bet. <laughs> no, you have to make now. You have to make an extra one. Oh, okay, that's fine. I could
2: do that. So you go first. Oh yeah, I'll go first. You go first. Yeah, I'm going to take a little action tomorrow. I love it. Give me Ball State and Toledo parlay that both to win plus one eighty five.
1: Ball State and Toledo tomorrow. Who do you have to win? Ball State and Toledo win. Oh okay, you, the oh, parlay. So they're not them. playing
2: each other. No no. no no no. Ohio plays Ball State. Okay. Toledo plays. I was like, "Wait
1: else. a second! He just picked the Mac game, and he picked both teams to win." And I am so confused at this point. But I, now I understand. Uh, I understand what you did. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, should I do a World Cup future?
2: I, I'm. I'm going to make one too. So yes, go all for right. it. Crazy.
1: Group A winner. Okay. Senegal plus five fifty. Okay.
2: I have no idea who else is in Group A. Uh,
1: who is... Uh, hold on, well, I'll tell you right now who's in Group... I'll tell you in a second who's in Group A. But they are the third choice. But I've got them winning Group A. Okay. Actually, no, I think they might be the second choice, but it's a crazy group. That's that's where Qatar is. Qatar is not winning the group. No. But because you're the host nation, you're in Pot 1, which means you're the like where the best teams are. Mm-hmm. So that is a ultimately winnable group ecuador i think is in that group okay i don't think ecuador is that great give me germany to win the world cup plus a thousand ah they're in a very interesting group actually uh, on the canes corner podcast yesterday we talked about that uh japan and spain are in that group japan is a very interesting uh counter-attacking club okay team so good uh but way to go germany to win it plus what plus 1000. Plus 1000. That's a that's good I couldn't name
2: you one German player, but I'm taking those odds.
1: Oh, okay. Um all right, give me uh, uh in a uh, in an FA Cup, okay. Give me Woking at plus exactly, at plus 330 over uh Oxford Hartlepool. Sure. I have no idea who Oxford Hartlepool is. But I am taking Woking at plus 300 at home. By the okay? way, Cut- Cutter
2: plays Ecuador to kick things off. Yes,
1: they do. And uh, that's coming up Sunday. Senegal plays the Netherlands. Yeah, right. The Netherlands are in their group. They're the favorite to win it. Mm-hmm. I looked at their side and eh, not feeling the Netherlands.
2: Yeah, I couldn't tell you one player. Not on
1: feeling team. the Netherlands. I think I think Senegal comes out of the group uh first place but i'm giving us over the whales
2: at plus 165 the whales yes who's the whales that's what i'm
1: calling them the whales (laughs) Ah. all right there you go over the whales yep all right we're gonna do a parlay tonight give me kansas and the over 145 and a half or 145 okay at plus two ninety. All right, Kansas, not plus one and a half. Kansas to win, pl- uh, and the an over one forty five. This is the Adam Gold Show.